2: Troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas.
1: All our troubles will Get be out the of yuletide sight.
2: Yuletide the
1: the positiveness of the lyrics of that era. Many of these from, this is later I assume, but from World War II, even some from the Depression. And then when things really got good, you had all the angst of the 60s and 70s, especially 60s. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager, hope you had a good weekend. All your troubles will be out of sight. (laughs) Uh. Oh... My my usual debate to, with what do I begin? So I'm going to begin with a non-news item that will fascinate you. There was a let's see, Dr. Fauci, yes, in Breitbart. He was talking about his religious beliefs. Did you see this one? Dr. Fauci says practicing Catholicism is "quote a thing that I don't really need to do." Okay, I'm not. I'm not here to judge anybody's relationship with the religion into which they were, or with which they were raised. I was, in which they were born. It's not technically accurate, except in Judaism. Uh, but I, I, I need to read to you one quote from Dr. Fauci on morality, and religion. So why, he was asked, so why don't you practice Catholicism? You were baptized, you were married in the church, etc. A number of complicated reasons. Get ready. First of all, I think my own personal ethics on life are, I think, enough to keep me going on the right path. That was worth everything. Yeah, you have it in a nutshell. I think my own personal ethics on life are, I think, it's interesting that he said, I think, twice. It, it betrays a non-certitude. It, you know that? But anyway, that's so it, it's so fascinating. His personal ethics are enough to keep him going on the straight path, on the right path. Uh, So, whose personal ethics, Dr. Fauci, are not enough? Why are your personal ethics enough, but you would have to admit there's a problem here because there are people whose personal ethics lead to pure evil, and of course there are people whose personal ethics lead them to differ with you on very major issues. be that as it may, just wanted you to know, it it does give an insight into the ease with which he has told untruth, because he he only had to answer to himself, not to God or the Bible or the Catholic Church, and as I have said so frequently and written up, the conscience is completely malleable. It's really putty in the hands of of the owner. People who do terrible things and say awful things have clear consciences. His personal ethics are enough to keep him on the right path. High school basketball player and older brother beat up coach after getting benched. Did you see that piece? A bad sign.
0: Yeah.
1: There's black kids beating up a white coach. If it were the other way around, you think we would know the we, we would know the race component of this story? My issue is with the press, that's why I raise it. They lie by omission as much as they lie by commission. I'll tell you again, it's like hidden always in the story, the thing that I believe is the most important. There was a passing reference to the fact that the family supported the kids. The, The parents supported their sons. If I'd have beaten up my coach, my parents would have come as close as possible to throwing me out of the house. I in the eighth grade I I was never a bad kid in school. I didn't, you know, do anything bad, but I always talked in class and which is wrong, but I was bored out of my mind. And one time the the teacher I went to a yeshiva which is half day religious studies, half day secular studies. And in eighth grade, the rabbi in the class, who, by the way, now that I think of it, he smoked a cigarette in class. (laughs) It's a real long time ago when that could happen. And he got so angry at me that he actually pushed me over a chair or over a desk and kicked me out of the class. And I remember, actually, I wrote an apology note on the tissue paper in the, in, the, in the boys' room. I went to the bathroom and I wrote him an apology note. And I, and I was back in class the next day. But people always ask, did you, what did your parents do? As if I would have told my parents that my teacher did that. They would have thrown me over a desk. The notion it's my child, right or wrong, woo, Uh, that's the unconditional love crowd. I love you. So what if you beat up the coach? I love you, and I'll support you, and I'll defend you. Another thought came to mind, something I have said very often, that when we dropped school prayer, one of the prayers was was for the was for the teacher. Oh God, how oh, was it something like bless, bless my parents, my my teacher, my teachers. So it's a, it was a completely non-denominational, beautiful little prayer. The morons on the Supreme Court, true morons, deep fools, helped ruin this country in that stupid verdict. That uh, it it somehow violated the Constitution for kids to stand up and say, oh God, uh, get get that prayer up, 1962 Regents Prayer. Because I I can't memorize things, it's one of... um, some one of the issues I've always had to grapple with, and Zilavi can't have everything in life. That's one of the things I don't have. And I've said often that American students went from blessing their teachers to cursing their teachers. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon Thee, and we beg Thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. So us, parents, teachers, country. I'll try to remember that. How long does it take to say that? Four seconds? Would you say four seconds? You didn't have to say it, by the way. You didn't even have to say it. But they were asked to say it. They didn't have to. These people were not leftists, they were liberals, and they they started the movement towards leftism and truly ruined the country with that verdict. That uh, that verdict, I believe, ruined the country more than Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was a a completely baseless ruling. Completely. It was the court-making policy that should be made by states. There was no constitutional or legal defense. But in terms of sheer harm to the country, banning that prayer is number one. My friends, I'm asking you to go online at DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree Christmas banner to help make Christmas a reality for children with a mother or father in prison this holiday season. When you give today, your tax-deductible donation will combine with that of my other listeners to give 17,000 children of prisoners the joy of an angel tree Christmas, a special Christmas gift plus the Bible and a personalized note from their incarcerated parent. It's a very beautiful thing this Christian organization is doing. You don't have to be a Christian to believe it's beautiful. So please call 888-206-2801 888-206-2801 or go to dennisprager.com and click on the angel tree banner to bless a child this christmas thank you
3: from now on our troubles will be out of sight
1: now, our troubles will be out of sight isn't that interesting was that the same song as before just a different rendition no, it's a different Nathan song. Is that interesting? In both had that. Yeah. Anyway, well, hello everybody. In light of the column that the news story that I just brought to you, with regard to the students who beat up their coach because he, uh, the two brothers, because he benched one or both of them, here's an article from the New York Post. Teachers are quitting in droves. This is the headline. Did you see this one? You sent it to me? So I can infer that you saw it. Uh, Had I not been a talk show host, I would have been a detective. Teachers are quitting in droves because they're scared of student violence and a lack of punishment. This is another left destruction. But the teachers are almost all on the left. Hey, teachers, why do you think they're not being punished for being violent against you? Because the lefties who run the teachers' unions and the schools and the superintendents of schools and the principals of schools all protested, not all, nearly all, protested that it was racist because more kids of color were being suspended or expelled from class than white kids. But more kids of color are beating up teachers than white kids. That's the reason. But does it matter to the left? To the left, the the result, not why it's happening, is what matters. The result is more black kids, more Hispanic kids, per, percentage-wise, than white kids were being punished for violence against teachers. And now the teachers are quitting in droves, and I wonder what percentage of them will say we were wrong. Our damn teachers unions, and try to usually use uh, some pejorative when you speak of teachers unions, because of the destruction that they have, the havoc that they have caused in the lives of a whole generation of young people. Teachers unions have been worse than TikTok, that's bad. It was getting to the point that it was scary. There were a few days that I was scared to go to school, Stacy Sawyer, a former 8th grade teacher from Cape Coral, Florida, told the New York Post. The veteran teacher, 55, quit last June, she said, after student misbehavior spiraled out of control following the pandemic. Uh, another liberal left idea. Let's not have schools open. Another idea of the teachers' unions. I am on record as calling it utterly and totally indefensible, morally, pedagogically, politic, not politically. No, no, that was fine. The people who on the left loved it. It was a dress rehearsal for a police state. I wrote that in 2020, in early 2020. This was a dress, that was the title of my column, Dress Rehearsal for a Police State. So there's another way in which the teachers' unions and the left ruined kids. Fights regularly broke out, ending with teachers hit and punched, and one student allegedly hospitalized after being slammed on the ground. And this is Cape Coral, Florida. Even though I ran a really tight classroom, the disrespect just skyrocketed. Probably 75% of my time was dealing with discipline, Sawyer said. The stress of it was too much. I even hated just driving down the road to school. I didn't want to go anymore. Hmm. So after 30 years in the classroom, Sawyer decided enough was enough. She now owns a small art studio. I knew that if I didn't get out soon, I just felt something was going to happen to me, she said. I was going to either get hurt or is just going to say something I shouldn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, teachers might say something they shouldn't. <laughs> oh, OMG. Videos of circular. There's a picture here of kids fighting kids in classroom. Well, let's see, what might be some of the reasons? No fathers is a big one. And no discipline is a big one. Social media is a big one. No religion is a big one. No god no father on earth and no father in heaven. No fixed code. They have Fauci's code. They have the Fauci code. I I think I know what's right. I follow my own my own values. That's right. Beating up a teacher is one of my values. You dissed me. I hit you. The whole notion of being dissed. You realize the narcissism that is involved there? You can't disrespect me. Disrespect means saying something accurate about them to have them be on the up and up. 70% of teachers, principals, and district administrators agreed the problem is only getting worse in an April survey by Ed Week, Education Week. General behavior issues have become a bigger challenge in the job. Colin Sharkey, Executive Director of the Association of American Educators. What's the difference between the American Education Association and the Education of American Educators? (laughs) If it preceded the pandemic, but it certainly accelerated because of the pandemic. No, 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 no. I don't blame the person. Who was the column? I don't blame Colin. But it's not true. It's because of the lockdowns. And again, remember, he said it preceded the pandemic. Just the pandemic made it worse. But it wasn't. It was the lockdown which the teachers' unions, remember in Chicago? They went on strike, threatened to strike if they opened up schools again. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream bedsheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases, only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money back guarantee for christmas until march 1st 2024 making them the perfect gifts for your friends your family and everyone you know so go to mypillow.com and use the promo code prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding products including the giza dream bed sheets for as low as 29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Because no matter how far away you roam, Better time when you for the
0: sunshine
1: of a friend... Teachers are leaving the profession thanks to the policies advocated by the teachers' unions. But they don't put two and two together. So many supporters of Israel are now shocked, just shocked, at how evil the left is, since most of it supports Hamas, the moral equivalent of the Nazis. Shocked, just shocked. Everybody's shocked by the left, because as I've said all of my life, people know what's evil afterwards, not during. Now everybody says, oh, communism was evil. Oh, yeah, Soviet Union, yeah, sure, of course. They didn't then. You were called a cold warrior if you said communism was evil. Ronald Reagan said that the Soviet Union was an evil empire. And every major medium, every newspaper condemned him. Mm. evil is the litmus test if you don't recognize evil you're morally worthless why is that not accurate general behavior issues have become a bigger challenge in the job Colin Sharkey Executive Director Association of American Educators told the New York Post that preceded the pandemic I was reading that It is a serious problem, and it's threatening the number and quality of educators that we're able to retain. Nearly half of public education employees who left the profession last year resigned, and a third of teachers say they're likely to leave their job in the next two years. So a third of teachers, that's a lot of people. So tens of thousands of of people will leave the teaching profession, if this is accurate. Let's say, let's just say, take it on the low low side. Let's say 10,000. Of the 10,000 teachers who will leave because of the degradation of the schools, how many will blame the policies of the teachers' unions? How many will leave the Democratic Party? Answer, zero. The brainwash that the right is the enemy is so deep that there is nothing the left can do even favor the destruction of Israel people. That has most liber- even liberals vote differently. More and more are citing unruly students and a lack of meaningful discipline as administrators favor restorative justice, a soft-handed approach of mediation over old-school punishments like suspension and detention. Now, why would we want to do that? You beat up the teacher. We want we want you to have restorative justice. What's restorative justice? I, I know it's, it's, uh, it's not prison. I know that. It's Instead we'll, of worship, we'll, we'll love we, you up.
0: Yeah, we restore. Your-
1: we restore your innate goodness. Yeah. Jared Zagelis, 48, of Omaha, Nebraska, left his job in 2021 after nearly two decades teaching journalism to high school students. He recalled the lack of administrative backup in the face of increasing student dysfunction after the pandemic. I have to tell all these conservatives, say, after the lockdown. Pandemic, shmandemic. The lockdown is what did it. This is not happening in Sweden because the kids went to school the whole time and said that school leaders failed to back him up or hold the student accountable. (gasps) Ladies and gentlemen, one of the key conservative words was just used. Accountable. In the secular liberal world, not just left world, you are accountable. To you, like, like Mister, Fa- like Doctor Fauci. Is he a doctor? Yeah. yeah like Doctor Fauci. See, it, I didn't think I, I thought I would just leave the Fauci issue. It's perfectly appropriate here. Accountable. One of the best ways to know person is to ask them, to whom are you accountable for your behavior? Back in a moment.
3: Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought
1: teachers leaving the profession because of all the violence and the non-punishment allowable of the students because the despicable left has ruined our schools in every way possible, including the notion that it was bigotry that suspended or expelled or otherwise punished students who acted violently or just shouted out or just cursed in class. And they were disproportionately students of color. So that rendered it racist. Everything the left says is a lie or is just destructive. Not liberals. Liberals are weak, but they're not leftists. It's amazing to see the damage that it does and to get away with it. They get away with it. They get away with it. it. So here's another teacher they cite who was leaving the profession. And he says that school leaders fail to back him up or to hold the student accountable. You realize the damage being done to society by the left here? You act up in class and you're not accountable? You realize the message to min- racial minorities we won't hold you responsible for your bad behavior. You think that increases or decreases or has no effect on bad behavior? In one instance, he said, an out-of-control, quote-unquote, student who threatened him was referred to the administration but escaped discipline with, quote, zero repercussions, unquote, zero The following morning, Zegalus was demoralized when the student was back in the classroom and laughing at him with his peers. That would be demoralizing. Yeah, very true. My producer, who rarely comments aloud during the show, said, That would be demoralizing. Aha, teacher, you twit. I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm a student of color. The message to him and all his friends was that really negative aggressive behavior is okay. It was so miserable I was at the point where I was in so much pain I had to resign for my family. Zagelis, who is now a freelance photographer, we should have him on, talk photography. An artist thinks social dysfunction in the country at large is trickling down to schools. No, 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 no. It trickled up from schools, Mr. Zegalus. The conversation in America, the tone has shifted, Zegelis explained. It just seems like there is more chaos in the overall world, and I think our students are a reflection of what we do as adults and as a society. Nick Marmalejo Says technology is contributing too. The 32-year-old from West Texas quit teaching in 2021 after seven years when he became disillusioned with school leadership. Now he is an educational consultant and manages a Facebook group of 20,000 teachers from around the world who left the profession. Now, he would be interesting to have on. Manages a Facebook with 20,000 teachers? Yeah. He estimates 70 to 80% of them cite student behavior as a contributing problem. And he's noticed social media and technology have caused many classrooms to spiral out of control. You see the pictures on this article. Is the article up at DennisPrager.com? Let's do that. Because people could see actual pictures taken by other kids. Why are phones allowed on in a classroom? You can't use it during a movie. But you can use it during a classroom. Yeah. They're seeing little to no participation by students in the classroom, especially due to phones. Huh? Ah, I didn't even read that sentence. Marmaleo told the post for a teacher if you can't hold the attention, you can't hold down class rules, you can't teach. It's just a spiral. Sharkey, whose organization has 30,000 educator members, says he's especially concerned about outright violence against teachers. One of the ugliest components that really threatens the teaching core in terms of retaining high-performing educators is students' physical abuse of teachers going unresolved. Let me repeat what students said until... The liberals conquered the Supreme Court and began ruining the country. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee and we beg thy blessing, thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. God bless our teachers. That is really, really offensive to the liberal mind. Wow. A 2022 survey by the American Psychological Association found that one in eight teachers reported experiencing physical violence from students. That's astonishing. There's a picture of a woman teacher with her face battered. She was kicked and punched more than a dozen times. Wow. Last school year, 1,300 assault-related workers' compensations claims were filed across the United States. In February, Florida paraprofessional Joan Natich was beaten unconscious by a student and left with severe, severe bruising after she was reportedly punched and stomped on at Matanzas High School. The 16, 17-year-old subsequently pled guilty to felony charges. Yeah. Back in a moment.
2: Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright. The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. Malikalikimaka is the wise way to say Merry Christmas to you.
0: Melikalikimaka is the thing to say on a bright Hawaii. Hello everybody, hope you had a good weekend
1: Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. I prefer palm that to happy holidays, but I'm an increasingly small minority of Americans. Even on Christmas Day or day before Christmas, you'll still get happy holidays. People are afraid to say Merry Christmas. Some another destructive policy inaugurated by the left and its media spokespeople. Well, everybody, so the the president of the university of pennsylvania has resigned or was fired doesn't matter same thing in this case it's hard to imagine that the presidents of mit and harvard will stay i played for you it's it's almost unbelievable so is advocating genocide of jews i mean it wasn't like is advocating for change in israeli policies is, is, is advocating the genocide of Jews considered harassment? It depends on the context. I'm laughing because the absurdity of it. Why did he, every one of them say, are you kidding? Genocide? Genocide is, is exponentially worse than harassment. That's what they should have said. Depends on the context. I saw a brilliant meme Oh, about the context. My wife showed it to me. i got to see it and report it to you all and put it up on my website. Wall Street Journal opinion pages have been glorious in their moral clarity since October 7th. Just glorious. Their news pages are largely worthless. There are two Wall Street Journal's the news division, which is a bunch of young woke nothings, and the the wise the wisdom of the editorial and opinion pages, which are extraordinary. So here's a piece. The true face of the anti-Israel movement, the leader of the Council on American Islamic Relations, celebrated October seventh, in his own words. CARE is a scummy organization. Uh, but it, it, but the whole left embraced them. Even Jewish organizations, which are usually run by fools, embraced them. The A.D.L., which has done more to foster anti-Semitism than to combat it in in the last decades or so, it, it, it's just astonishing. You know that the, the A.D.L. signed a statement, Anti-Defamation League, praising Black Lives Matter in a, in an ad of 600 Jewish organizations, as a Jew, I can't tell you how embarrassing it is to to watch Jewish life decline, organized Jewish life decline, under the pathetic people who are called leaders. There are exceptions, of course. However, if it's any consolation, it's happening in Protestantism and Catholicism. How many Catholics who have a much worse problem because their Pope is woke. And that, that's, that's very tough for a Catholic. My heart breaks for them. I, I, I'm, I'm very very serious and very sincere. It's like I have uh, this dark saying I don't care what religion you remember of as long as you're ashamed of it. Nihad Awad, Executive Director of the Council on American Islamic Relations. Celebrated October seventh at an American Muslims for Palestine convention. You know what? We would you send Sean the videos? I think that I think they're attached, or I have them anyway. I found them. Memory put them up. I I I put them up. By the way, I sent a thousand dollar donation to Memory Middle East Media Research Institute. They're phenomenal. American Muslims for Palestine then took down the full video. And Mr. Awad now claims, quote, a hate website, that's memory. Memory, isn't, memory. All memory does is put up videos and audios and translate them from Arabic, usually from Arabic. In this case, it was English. That's all they do so that you will know what it is that Palestinians and Arabs and Muslims hear from their religious and secular leaders. This guy uh, has an Arab accent, which is not here or there, I couldn't care less. But it, my only point is that we brought in a vast number of Jew haters from the Middle East. And Jewish organizations like the Anti-Defamation League supported that. The, there is a, the, the competition between black leaders and Jewish leaders for who does more harm to their group is a very, very tough race. It's a, I, I, it's a tough call. So he claims now a hate website selected remarks from my speech out of context. But uh, they're pretty long excerpts. They don't seem to be, I don't understand. Why doesn't he tell the context and splice them together? No, he didn't, they didn't splice them together. They had them separately. They are separate excerpts from his speech to create a completely false meaning. So why doesn't he put up the whole video? Why did they take it down, right? Here, watch the whole video. What a phony. Like uh, even Media Matters does with your stuff. What, what Media, Media Matters does with my stuff is they, 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 they're, they're even more amazing. They headline things I didn't say and then write about it. Like Dennis Prager wants to say the N-word, right? That, that's, that's a, it's a lie. But it doesn't matter. I've never, by the way, I've never even, the only time I've ever said it is in context. So if I'm reading from a book that has the word, or I'm citing a book, or I'm citing somebody else. But we got the video before Mr. Awad's ally had it. This is the Wall Street Journal writing. And here's what CARE's leader had to say. CARE is a scummy pro-Hamas organization, and the ADL honors them, and the the whole liberal world sees them as spokesmen for Muslims. It's a scummy, pro-Hamas organization. That is what CARE has always been and remains to this day. But liberals are so naive and leftists are so evil that they honored CARE the whole time. The people of Gaza only decided to break the siege of the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th, and yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their land. Oh, that's their land. That's our Israel, folks. That's not the West Bank. Yes, care doesn't think Israel has a right to exist but big deal the ADL honors them the ADL is the Jewish anti-defamation league which is a which helps those who defame jews because leftists run the organization if the ADL closed down jews would be better off I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their land that they were not allowed to walk in. And yes, the people of Gaza have the right to self-defense, have the right to defend themselves. And yes, Israel as an occupying power does not have that right to self-defense. Is that awesome? CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. That's a hate group. That's a real, genuine, scummy hate group. There is not a person in the ADL who would say what I just said. The crowd applauded and not a word in Mr. Awad's speech qualified his pleasure with October 7th justified as self-defense. Democrats and media have long treated care... As a principal political spokesman for Muslim Americans, God bless the Wall Street Journal. So I'm reading to you about this hate-filled pro-Hamas organization called CARE that every liberal and leftist organization has regarded with respect. I'm I'm meditating on the question, at what age did I come to realize that so many adults were fools? Because I really was raised to honor my parents, which I always did till the day they died. And to honor elders and to believe that they knew stuff I didn't know. So it, I wasn't shattered but it uh, it dawned on me pretty early. I was brought to California from New York at the age of 26 yeah 26 to be the director of of a very, very large Jewish institute, a retreat center, educational institute, and I came to realize this very early on. Most of the members of the board of directors really uh, didn't like me, not personally, they didn't like my views. So you'll say, why did they hire me? Well, they hired me because the founder of the institution, a week before he died, announced publicly he wanted me to succeed him. So they, they really couldn't go against his wishes. That's why. But they didn't like the fact that I advocated that God was necess- necessary for morality to be objectively true. They didn't like that. I even advocated God's existence, advocated traditional Jewish observances. They really were annoyed with me. And I remember I'll never forget standing on the grounds of this three thousand two hundred acre place, the large I think the largest Jewish owned property in, in outside of Israel. And I was arguing with a, board, a member of the board of directors who was telling me, you don't need God for, for good and evil. I said, then then how do you know what's good or evil? Your conscience. And so I've been arguing this stuff for all of my life. But it's, uh, it's sobering to realize how many adults are fools. Boy, did... They opt to be fools with regard to care, Council on American Islamic Relations, is a pro-Hamas, hate-filled organization. That's all it is. Democrats and media, write the writes the Wall Street Journal, have long treated CARE as a primary political spokesman for Muslim Americans. In late October, the White House invited Mr. Awad to convey Muslim concerns about the war to the president. Isn't that something? This guy, this guy is invited to the White House. Yeah, yeah. The one who said, What a great day, October seventh. And Israel has no right to self defense. In May, the Biden administration included care as a partner in its strategy to counter anti Semitism. It is it, it is impossible to make this stuff up. Impossible. That is like inviting a Jew-hating organization to fight anti-Semitism. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's what they did invite. The Biden administration. These are, these are moral giants. They included CARE as a partner in its strategy to counter anti-Semitism. CARE and its allies have influence, and Mr. Awad said the White House had begun to listen when we say, if there is no ceasefire, there will be no votes for you in 2024 elections, he said, we started to see the tone changing and the position changing. Well, so I'm curious, who, if the Muslim American doesn't vote, if the Muslim who hates Israel, and not all Muslims do, but most do, if the Muslim who hates Israel doesn't vote Democrat, Whom will he or she vote for? Republicans? Who are far more pro-Israel than Democrats? So why should the Democrats take this all that seriously? Will they sit home? Will they vote for Mr. Awad? Will there be a write-in campaign for Mr. Awad? Mr. Awad's co-panelist was Osama Aburshaid. Director of American Muslims for Palestine, the leading sponsor of SJP. Oh my God! I, did you know that? Stud, Students for Justice in Palestine. I mean, they're out and out for for the genocide of uh, of Israel, and an organizer of anti-Israel protests across the country. That's the co-panelist, Mr. Abu Shaid told a rally December 1st, what they alleged, listen to this, this is this is quite something. What they alleged happened on October 7th turned out to be a lie. Most of the Israeli civilians were killed by their own army. This is the co-panelist of, of the CARE, Israel Genocide Advocate. Yep, they made it up. I'm going to read to you probably tomorrow. Because I need to devote a fair amount of time to it. Peggy Noonan's column. I don't tend to read Peggy Noonan. Nope, nothing personal. Mm -hmm. But she really did a service. She described what happened to women, Israeli women, on October 7th. the rape the torture the mutilation i'm going to ask my producer to leave the room when i read that cuz he he doesn't do well with these things but i will read it to you because you need to know what is real is fighting <laughs>
3: Hi
1: everybody, Dennis Prager here, and you've decided to open this hour with a Hanukkah song. few of you would know this, but this one is in Yiddish, not Hebrew. Jews had actually three languages. Hebrew was the universal Jewish language from the Bible. European Jews had a combination of Jewish and German, which was Yiddish, and... Uh, The Sephardic Jew, North Africa, Middle East, Spain, had a combination of Spanish and Hebrew called Ladino. So this one was the Yiddish. Hi, everybody. I have one of my favorite people on the line, David Mamet. David Mamet is the renowned playwright, screenwriter, director. His new book... Is everywhere an oink, oink? (laughs) Let's put it this way. No one will confuse this book with any other. It's not your run-of-the-mill title. Here is the subhead. An embittered, dyspeptic, and accurate report (laughs) of 40 years in Hollywood. My first reaction, David Mamet, was that a mainstream publisher published it, Simon & Schuster. How did you get away with that?
3: Well, it, I got a, a terrific uh, uh, agent, David Villiano, and he said, well, what the heck? You know, we'll try Simon and & Schuster. And the guys over at Simon & Schuster said, hell yes. It, it, this is his day. A lot of it is my drawings to a lot of Uh, unpublishable cartoons about life in the movie business. And they said, hell, God bless him." They said, hell, yes, which is very refreshing. And it happens once in a while in show business. Most of the time, you you get to do a little bit of work, and then you have to deal with a lot of bureaucratic idiots. uh, And once in a while, everything is uh, made worthwhile because somebody from the other side of the conference table says, you bet, let's go. And this is one of those times.
1: So what does the title mean, Everywhere an oink, oink. What does that mean?
3: Well, I was sitting around the people in show business, Dennis, all that we do is about show business. That's all we do. And I said, there's, you know, you go to a, um, a bar or a restaurant, it's a show business hangout, and I said, there's never been a conversation at any of these tables that didn't include, and then do you know what that son of a did? Right? Because... It's a tough, tough business. And the the payoff of the business is not actually money. Money's nice. Sometimes you get it. A lot of times you get robbed. But the payoff is you get to, to actually make a movie when you do and and or do a play if you do. And the people around you are doing their best to put on your backs and tell you it's raining. And so the, the reason that the business is tough is, A, there's much too much bureaucracy and, B, this, the suits who are taking our pigs to market, know that at the end of the day, we do it for nothing. That if we really have talent, we don't want to get in the industry, but we actually really want to act, really want to be a DP, really want to direct, really want to write, we do it for nothing. And so they got us on the hook because they know at the end of the day, we're going to give up. So we get treated like, like swine and sometimes some people rise to the top and get treated like petted swine and they get indulged and blah, blah, blah. But the real payoff is making the movie. And I've been able to do that for, for, uh, for 40 years. In fact, I just wrapped the movie last week for 40 years and it's the life on the set is magnificent and the life otherwise is like hell without the jokes.
1: <laughs> okay. So, How do you explain, or maybe I should start before that because I'm assuming something you may not agree with, Mm -hmm. most of us outside of Hollywood think of Hollywood as the quintessence of woke, that in a competition between Hollywood and Harvard, it's a tie. Is that a wrong supposition?
3: No, it's it's a, it's a right it's absolutely a right supposition. And the problem of Hollywood is exactly the same as the problem in Washington: is that the bureaucracy started dictating to the supposed elected people, right? You have the civil service, and eventually the civil service starts dictating to the people who said, "Let's have a fair uh, playing field." Or the teachers get together and they say, "Bob, Bob, Bob." I tell you what, give us um, a, a bunch. Uh, I tell you what, make. Uh, Underwrite college fees, and we teachers will be happy because there'll be more people coming to college, and, then re, and in return, we'll vote for you. Okay, pretty good. That's the way we do things in Chicago. Eventually, the teachers take over, and the people say to the teachers, in addition to uh, having tenure, how'd you like to rule the world? which it's always the clerical class, as we know, which, which tips us over into um, wokeism, which tips us over into bol- Bolshevism. It's true, isn't it? So um, the, the, the bureaucracy brang down the American government and the bureaucracy brang down the movies. The, 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 the added, um, just the secret sauce, however, was the internet. So uh, everything's up in the air. Nobody knows quite how to distribute a movie. They keep spending more and more and more money to make garbage that nobody wants to watch. But they don't know how to back off and make a movie for nothing. So the people in Hollywood are like the people at Kodak. Young people at Kodak come into Kodak and they say, wait a second, there's this new thing called digital. Why should we, we should really start stop making film? The old people at Kodak say, you're out of your mind. We're not going to hurt our stock price get out of here, and so Kodak goes bust. So the the young people coming into the movie business today are coming into an industry. The only way they can get along is to shut up and not say, wait a second. So Hollywood and government are the same because as as the Torah tells us, right, it's human nature. That That's all it is. So,
1: okay, so that explains the the sclerotic element of Hollywood, but I want to go back to the woke part. So, What is the attraction of crapping on America, crapping on Israel, crapping on traditional values? What is the attraction? Is it that the type of person who simply becomes an actor, let's say, or enters the film world, is this, I I have to march against my society to be a true actor or a true artist, or is it something else?
3: No, it's not the actors. Look, at uh, Anita Luce was a great screenwriter. She was the first star screenwriter in Hollywood. She started about 1916. She wrote a wonderful book called uh, A Girl Like I about the uh, early days in Hollywood. And what she says is that on a set, the only difference between the actors and the crew is the way they look. She says the actors aren't smarter than the crew. They they aren't more sensitive than the crew. They just look good. And that's why they got that job, which is true. So it's not that the actors are saying we have to support, we we have to fight global warming, or we have to fight uh, Palestinian the 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 Jews, we have to fight blah blah blah. The actors are in it for the money. They don't know it. But if if the studio studios sold cats. The actors would be up there saying, "We must eat cat." Uh, you gotta watch the
1: language on. We're not on uh, private radio, so just we'll okay. gotta warn you. We're gonna be beeping that. Okay, go ahead.
3: That's it. Cat manure. It's an industry. So, so, industry. so, in other words, okay. So,
1: so they're conformists.
3: Yes, they're they're voting for their paycheck.
1: They're voting for their they paycheck. Okay. They, so listen, they
3: may not know it, right? But that's what they're doing. Well, when
1: uh what, what was his name? Oh god, uh De-, 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 De Niro, Robert De Niro got up at a at a at Academy Awards uh, ceremony and screamed out F Donald Trump. He was he's very rich, he's very famous. He wasn't doing it because that's the word from the studio. He really hates Donald
3: Trump. Yeah. But what else what is, what else is he doing it because because he can, right? What can he do to give himself more prestige than he has before, right? He can come out in front of the world and say the unsaleable. So the problem, as we see, is wokeism has to feed on doing the what's the next undoable thing. That's what wokeism all, always is, right? If we say there's trigger warnings, okay. No, oh wait a second, trigger warnings aren't enough. What about keeping all the conservatives off the campus? Oh, okay. Oh, that's not enough. What about letting people come on campus and yell for death to the Jews? Oh, that's not enough. Etc. 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 Right? Because in in a um, totalitarian society, everybody wants to be the same. And they better be careful to be a little bit more than the same that somebody doesn't say, wait a second, how come there's no pork in your house? Which is what the, the Inquisition said to the Jews, right? So people, people gain status. Everybody likes some status in the woke society by being more, more Catholic than the Pope.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, we'll continue.
3: Everywhere an oink
1: oink. 40 years in Hollywood. David Mamet, the book is up at DennisPrager.com, just came out last week. He gave Bill Maher a mezuzah. Got to talk to him about that in a moment when we return on The Dennis Prager Show.
0: The Dennis Prager Show. Oh, Dindle
1: Bells, Christmas sweet soon we'll be here. I can't wait till Christmas Day, I'm glad it's very near. Oh, Dindo what year Christmas is this from? We'll Was this the chipmunks? Of the chipmunks? It wasn't like the chipmunks. like the chipmunks. Sorry? Bell Blanc, Boy's the I don't right, buy my, my brother, a pony and a swim. Well, that, that is appropriate in some mommy, sense, book books. Books. given that the book is everywhere in oink, oink. We're, 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 board, we're not far. David Mamet. One of the most uh, revered and renowned playwrights, screenwriters, and directors in Hollywood has written about his 40 years in Hollywood, and it's titled, Everywhere in Oink Oink, an embittered, dyspeptic, and accurate report. (laughs) It's all three. (laughs) How long did it take you to come up with the subtitle?
3: Well, you know, first of all, I should point out that I'm so glad that you chuckled at the um, title because the book is... I don't mean to blow my own horn. You know, we do that on uh, on Neila, right? But uh, it's, it's it's funny because as I look back on my life, here's the thing. Most people who write books about Hollywood are one of two categories. Either they're outsiders who do interviews or they quote, they quote from books or blah, blah, blah not realizing all of the interviews people are are, are uh, dramatizing themselves and all of the books were written by people who were dramatizing others, right? Or they read the actual reminiscences of a person talking about his or her career, which are basically exculpatory, right? I did this, but I did that. I love this. but It's nonsense. It's bullshit. I mean that. I, I can't say bullshit. It's no, cat- no, That's correct.
1: Yeah. No, I can't say cat- <laughs> the okay. cat one either no 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 you okay so well, you're so just many... making my producer i mean my engineer <laughs> press the, the buzzer uh, constantly
3: well look you've been driving him crazy for 30 years that... why can't i drive him crazy
1: for... uh, i couldn't agree anyway. with you more i I, uh, I i agree with you so yeah.
3: the thing about hot life in hollywood you actually doing it some it's absurd, the stuff that you go through, the stuff that happens, you know, even when you, you're getting robbed and raped and so forth, looking back, it's funny. I'll tell you a story. I wrote this movie called Lolita, right, for um, Adrian Lyne. It's a great, great script. I went back to the book and I realized that Kubrick's movie was a brilliant movie, it's got nothing to do with the Nabokov book. Went back to the book, wrote this brilliant book. So I handed it in to Lolita. He hands it to David Brown, who's the um, producer. So if they don't call, they don't call. That's how they tell you they hate it in Hollywood. They lose your number. Mm -hmm. So I run into David. Nobody calls me about this wonderful script. So two weeks later, I run into David Brown in my script and said, Lolita, you didn't like the script? He says, you made him seem like a pedophile.
1: That's hilarious.
3: That's That's hilarious. Every story in the book is stuff uh-huh. that happened to me that was jaw dropping, and you look back and say, "Wait, so not- did they ever make it into a movie?" They did. They put. They, they hired somebody else. that's a crock of.
1: No, 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 a um, no. crock of manure.
3: I'm, I beg your pardon. It's not. Yes. A, it's no, no. I, I beg your pardon. It's a receptacle of some unnamed substance.
1: Fair enough. I hear you. <laughs> oh, that was their objection. That uh, they should call up Nabokov that it's not oh, your fault
3: <laughs> of course not here's another one right i mean the the book is all these stories as they start coming back to me I say did that actually happen I get a call three o'clock in the morning years ago from a very, very famous direct, very famous director. He says, you know anything about Herman Melville? I say, yeah, I know a little bit. I, I wrote my thesis about Herman Melville when I was in college. God forgive me, an English major. He says, you know, Moby Dick? I say, yeah, it's the one with the whale in it, right? Yeah. He says, did you ever see the movie? I say, yeah, the movie's not not a very good movie, is it? He says, no, would you like to rewrite
2: wow. Moby Dick as a new wow. script?"
3: I say, you bet. You bet. He says, yes, but I want to do it from the point of view of the whale. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) They're they're all in the book, baby. They're
1: all in the book. So did he crack up and that ended it?
3: No. By
1: the way, they could have done that. I could just seriously, I could see Moby Dick in big letters on some marquee and underneath from Moby's point of view.
3: Well, it could, but here's the problem, see. Say they made the movie and it was a big hit, and some woke idiot would come up years later from the Sierra Club and say, and you know, Moby Dick never worked again.
1: That's right. Or did you get Moby Dick's permission? Really? Oh, God. So you gave Bill Maher a mezuzah? Yes. Yes was it in any way and I I'm not looking for I'm just curious was it in any way related to my project to get people to put mezuzahs up
3: you know it, it wasn't but it, it's spontaneous creation i heard about that listening to you on the way to the, on the way to the so you had
1: actually thought about it on your own yeah it's, that's <laughs> no 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 that's impressive i'm i'm not i'm not making fun of you i'm I, i'm actually admiring uh, I, I think that's wonderful that you came up with it. How did he react? Thanks.
3: Uh, he, uh, you know, not just a pretty face. He took it and he looked like he didn't know what to do, and he started blowing into it. I said, yeah, okay. But did did you hear I said, I, I surprised myself, Dennis, by saying something which was actually smart. Did you hear what I said about the uh, about the Jews and the wife? You know this? No. No. He said, he said, he said, oh, no, I didn't see the show. I, I know about oh. it. Okay. I didn't oh, see the Marcus. show. He said, explain anti-Semitism to me. Yeah. Okay. First off, I think that that's an assault. It's like saying to a black person, well, oh, how come you guys were enslaved? I mean, you want to tell me? In any case, I said, you got 30 seconds. I'll explain it to you. It goes like this. The Jews for 2000 years have been the battered wife of the West. So, at like like women, a couple of hundred years ago, we didn't have the vote. We, did, we couldn't have, do, um, our husband could leave us, our husband could cheat on us. Uh, we couldn't get a divorce. We were um, his property. If the man got upset and he came home because something happened at work, we say, what's happened? Wham! He hits us. Who are we going to tell? Right? The man comes home drunk, blah, 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 every week and beats us up. Wham! Who are we going to tell? We say, oh, geez, let me be the best wife I can, and then maybe he won't hit me. So that's been the position of the Jews in Western civilization for 2,000 years. We were the battered wife. That maybe they let us into Germany and do a little bit of this and make a little bit of money and blah, blah, blah. But whenever things got rough, they beat the wife up. Why? Because she'd done anything? No, because she had no recourse. So we Jews got into the habit of saying, don't hit me, don't hit me, because we had no recourse. Now the state of Israel shows up, and the Jews in Israel say, guess what? You know that wonderful battered wife thing we used to do? Uh, we aren't doing that anymore. We're done. But then the Jews in the diaspora say, whoa, 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 baby, whoa. You got your own country, but I'm out here on a limb, and they're sawn it off. I'm going to complete I'm going to do the battered wife thing because that's what makes me safe. Well, it didn't make us safe for two thousand years. It doesn't make us safe now, and it endangers the heroes in Israel who are fighting for us because we're still given the Jews are still given to the Democratic Party, which is funding terror. That that's anti-Semitism in forty-eight seconds.
1: Wow, we're no longer going to be the battered wife. Whereas no. the Jews in the diaspora are used to being the battered wife, very, very, very cogent analysis. Back in a moment, David Mamet's book, "Everywhere in Oink Oink" about Hollywood, up at dennisprager dot com. Do we have David Mamet, or is uh, he lost to? the show at this time okay good we have him on the phone that's great so he is reflecting on 40 years So what I enjoy about you among many other things is your reflections on everything in that sense we're both kindred spirits we think about everything I want to react first and then go to the everything issue in a moment but you had a very interesting line to me that to understand who the stars are the actors in the film understand they are exactly the same type of people as the crew just they're better looking is i that i paraphrase you correctly
2: yes i was paraphrasing Anita moose who was oh yeah the
1: who film. lived in yeah who wrote this in 1917 yeah okay exactly so so again back to Outlook on life. The actor is a leftist, and the crew is conservative. So, That's the, correct. right. So does that does that prove or at least argue for your theory that it, the actor just wants to do what their bureaucracy wants him to do?
2: Here's the thing: that the actors. Hold on, let see if I can get this guy blank up. It's a tough, 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 tough business, Dennis. And it involves a lot of anxiety and it involves a lot of waiting and it involves a lot of begging. So people, young people come here and they say, oh, I would do anything to be in the movies. I would do anything to be in the movies. And so the movie people say, yeah, but everybody else would do anything to be in the movies. What's the more anything that you would do to be in the movies? And I can leave that to the audience's imagination. There are also some people who actually have an irreplaceable talent. Now, this is uh, actually a drawback to a certain extent in the movies because it means there are certain things that they won't do. Because if you have a God-given talent, at some point you're going to say, no, you know what, I won't do that. Well, well, then we'll, uh, we won't give you another contract. Okay, so be it. Who's going to be in that position? Very few people are going to walk away. Some people did, for example... During the uh, the witch hunt of the McCarthy area, uh, there at Jules Dassin, they asked him, who, who, were you ever a communist and blah blah blah?" And he'd never been. He said, "Listen, I could answer your question, but I couldn't look at myself in the morning. So courage is as rare in the outdoors as it is in anybody, anybody else. It's, but the difference with actors is the, the business has become a complete bureaucracy and it's called the industry. And what they make now is stuff called product, right? So product is made, as I say in the book, is the AFL-CIO's split, uh, split, right? The craft union and the industrial floor union. So what happened now is everybody's on the shop floor. It's not not a... They're not even making films anymore. They're making product because they have to fill up the space on the shelves, the shelves being the downloading platforms. So... The, the decisions are being made not by actual filmmakers saying, gee, I got a different idea. Because they take that to the boardrooms, and the board was going to say, yeah, that's great. We don't want a different idea. We've done the testing. We know what works. Shut up and sit down. So some people might want this life, but the people with talent generally don't. It's very much like the life of the teachers, right? There may be, even today, some dedicated teachers, but what are they dedicated to if they aren't allowed to speak? So who gets into the teaching profession? People who say, "Thank God for the security." I'll keep my mouth shut, right? It's become an industry. So the same thing is true in Hollywood. But what I say in the book is, I was there for the end of the studio system, which was, you know, you were dealing with 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 poor masters and thieves, and but they were interesting. And so the stuff that the stuff that happened, the stuff that I went through, was was. Uh, First off, it was the greatest benefit in the world to be on a movie set. It's nothing like it. And the other thing is the other people were um, were um, hysterically funny. You want to know your story?
1: Yeah, but hold on. I do. We're going to take a break. I want to push your book. I appreciate it. I thought so.
2: Everywhere and uh,
1: uh, oink, oink. And yeah. a bitter, dyspeptic, dyspeptic and accurate report of 40 years in Hollywood. David Mamet. It's up at DennisPrager dot com. The kids are gonna love you so. Uh. Leave a
2: for Johnny. Leave a for me. David Mamet,
1: the great Hollywood writer, director, and don't playwright, is uh, my guest. He, his book, his book was just described to me during the break by Alan Estrin. As Laugh Out Loud Funny. To make Alan Estrin laugh, David, you have no idea the achievement that you have accomplished. Well, nothing Alan nothing That's in your wild. career. Yes, he claims he laughed. I did not actually see it. Hmm. But he doesn't yeah. lie. Hmm. So th- this is really a statement. Everywhere an oink oink and embittered dyspeptic <laughs> and accurate report of 40 years in Hollywood. It is up at com. So did you make close friends in your career in Hollywood, or were your friends largely outside Hollywood?
2: Well, I I got into Hollywood. Uh, I I was a very, very successful Broadway playwright, and I got into Hollywood uh, at the top of the Hollywood food chain as a, as a screenwriter for Bob Rapleson and Jack Nicholson. On a posthumous wings twice, and so to be a successful screenwriter was for me an absolute demotion. But I enjoyed it, and I spent many years going back and forth between Hollywood and, and New York, and and uh, and and so forth, and I made some incredibly, uh, very, very good close friends. Prime among them, uh, Ricky Jay, the, uh, rest in peace, uh, the great the great magician and the great actor. And then I came out to Hollywood with a lot of the people I came up with, William H. Macy and Joe Mantegna, and the people that we'd done movies uh, with, out of movies and plays with out of Chicago and New York and blah, blah, blah. But other than that, <clears throat> writers don't tend to talk to each other because what are we going to say? Hey, I, I really like that adjective you used, right? So, I mean, additionally, I mean, I know you've got to go out on the road, and God bless you, and like that. I sit in a room all day, right? That's what I do with my life. Once in a while, I get to go out onto the set with the best people in the world and actually make a movie which is magnificent. And those people, are their colleagues with whom I've been working for. I just came back from making a movie, one of them I've been working with for 40 years. And that's... Uh, such fun but the people on the here's the thing about hollywood people conservatives whisper to each other this has been happening for years they come up and they say you know i saw you in the dennis brager out of the corner of their mouth or i saw you with the friends of a blah 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 they whisper to each other because the actual working people in hollywood are all every one of them are conservatives and if they put a trump sticker on their on their car they'd be fired so that's that's the load. That's the so list.
1: yes, so that's an interesting question in and of itself. The people who would fire them, uh, the, the the top names in in the business, I would say, rather than in acting, <laughs> what animates them? Are they sincerely
2: left wing? Because they're you they're not ask, reacting
1: to paychecks.
2: I don't. know. The people on the top, they're looking for more prestige. I mean, Biden was just up here, you know, sniffing around for money. All these top name guys are having events and throwing money at them, throwing money. At them. Why? For what? What do they think that money's going for? They don't care. What it's actually going for is to get their picture on, uh, on the front of Syria. I don't, th- I don't think they're hypocrites. I think, they're, I think they're, they're evil. I think they're evil and demented, and they, they, they don't even have the sufficient rationality about their acts uh, to be considered as... So, as okay, so
1: good. So you, you said something critical uh, to me. They want to get their picture in, and you didn't finish the sentence, but it doesn't matter. You could say anything television, uh, the internet, newspaper, fine. So, what do you think is more animating? Not this, I'm talking now about industry executives and, and stars, or even the regular actor, not just stars. What is more
2: animating, fame or money? It's actually a third thing, which is the absolute joy of belonging. Go on. They have, they absolutely belong. But you say Trump, they, they mind throwing up. You say Israel, they put on a set. But whatever you say, they, they are among the just. I mean, it really goes back to um, a salvation uh, by faith, right? Works don't matter. If... If you believe you are saved, they are in a religious, uh, they are in a state of semi-religious awe. We all think the same. We all believe the same. The other people are evil, and everything we do saves the world. Oh look, this toothpaste saves the world. The fact my Tesla saves the world. What I say saves the world. This uh, the chocolate that I eat is locally sourced. That saves the world. I I get my my uh, what they call water from Fiji, which somehow saves the world. And I give, so everything they do is uh, an autonomic. Uh, 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 exhibition of the fact that they are, they're in effect a demigod. They're saving the world, and everyone agrees with them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's hard for me to imagine that the average young person coming from Milwaukee to Hollywood, or South Dakota to Hollywood with his or her dreams, is dreaming about saving the world. I think they're dreaming about fame and fortune, and especially fame. They are, the question is how are they going to get
2: there? You know, you, 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 can, um, you can put on a charade in your living room, but to get to make a movie, you need someone to fund it. Who's that person going to be? So these people come to Hollywood, and what do they do? They want to fight their way in. How will they do that? Well, they have acting classes. Yeah, that's not going to help, but they'll do it. They go to film school. Yeah, that's not going to help, but they'll do it. It keeps them adjacent to the idea that somehow they 're going to get into to Hollywood, and some of them will, but some people win in las vegas right it 's an a- it 's an accident so look at here 's something that i 'm not that 's just the truth it 's always been the case in Hollywood, and it may be so now i don 't know that some of the newcomers tried to tip the scales in their favor. By getting a little bit intimate with the people fast, fast, passing, all over. right. Hold
1: on, I want to. I want to continue with that. The book, "Everywhere and Oink, Oink Forty Years in Hollywood," David Mamet. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free every single day, become a member of Pragertopia.